you know, if I could do it again, start again 24 years ago, I would buy less property of greater quality with less leverage. And that's been a big lesson. It's not the number of properties. It's the quality of the properties and how do they actually perform. You got to separate the parts to strengthen the whole. You know, you got to spend individual one-on-one time with each member of your family and that will strengthen the whole. Welcome millionaires and future millionaires. You're listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast, the show where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their portfolio allocation. Now to your host, Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaires Unveiled podcast. This is episode number 324. Stace, I don't even need to ask. You've got some mic envy tonight. That's what's going on. No, I don't have mic envy. I just was, as Jace was getting set up, I did the intro like fake and... You were intimidating. (laughs) No, you were imitating me. (laughs) Yeah, imitating you. Yeah. Maybe intimidating. I don't know. Anyway, I'm trying to. I'm trying to not. We're we're we're, we're celebrating like ten years of like kind of falling in love. This is when it all started happening. So, oh, yeah, I, I mean, wasn't expecting you to throw that out there. Well, I mean, it's true. Like, remember we talked about the haunted house that I drove by recently that we did when we were first dating. That was kind of like it was like last weekend, and I was in Fort Worth. That kind of like kicked it off for reals. I know. And that weekend, we were leaving a grocery store holding hands and saw someone that we knew and didn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, like solidified the fact that you couldn't be secretive about our <laughs> relationship anymore. Anyway, good times. It all worked out great. Finally, you could put it on the socials. <laughs> oh, boy. Good times. Anyway, uh, we're going to read a couple of reviews to start off. This one comes from Dr. Spicer, referring to episode 320. said, loved this episode. So inspiring. Goes to show it's never too late with a little but bit of hard work and luck on your side. Thanks for that, Dr. Spicer. That's actually on Spotify. We're getting uh, more of y'all listening on Spotify. So appreciate that. It uh, is a great medium and it does allow us to interact a little bit uh, on the uh, reviews and the polls and all sorts of stuff. Appreciate those that have uh, left reviews there. As always, if you haven't heard your show yet, you haven't heard your episode, haven't heard your millionaire story, uh, send us an email, millionairesinveiled at gmail.com. Always looking for new, great, interesting guests. And uh, yeah. Today's guest I am very excited about. We have Jim Shields. He has a net worth of over $1 million, mostly in single family real estate and real estate related businesses. Uh, I was actually not on this episode. Jace uh, did this one by himself. And while he was editing tonight, he usually has headphones in, but he didn't. And I am such a huge fan of Jim and his work. And uh, they'll go into his book a little bit towards the end. It's called 18 Summers. And it's played a big role in, in our parenting philosophy and something that we try to do with our kids in terms of spending a uh, quality alone time with them. And anyway, so I kind of was fangirling as <laughs> he was editing and I was trying to do the dishes as quietly as possible so I could listen, uh, which went, went okay. I'll give myself at least an A minus, maybe it maybe a B plus. I think an A minus. I did pretty well. So anyway, great episode with him. He has a uh, fantastic insight to share and, uh, 
very accomplished, uh, both at home and and in his uh, financial life. Yeah, a couple couple of interesting main points that that I think you know he hits on, and 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 we discuss this a little bit on the podcast, but is probably something worth a, a follow up down the road is that the kind of ideation of geo arbitrage, and he discusses how he decided to lo- to leave California. Uh, back in the early 2000s and moved to Florida. And I, essentially I asked him to quantify how much that decision has saved and made him over the years, which was pretty interesting. But not, nonetheless, uh, you know, it's been pretty critical to his success, uh, particularly as a real estate investor. And that's where a majority of his uh, net worth is, is, is today is really just you know, in real estate, real estate related businesses, Stacy mentioned. And, uh, you know, a good chunk of that's been able to, you know, he's been saving, you know, seven figures, uh, you know, in some cases annually uh, from a tax standpoint that compounds over, you know, year over year over year. And you look back, it's been a couple of decades. So the other interesting point that I'd note, you know, is uh, is he has pretty low leverage uh, at this point. You know, a lot of real estate investors typically will cash out refi or, you know, continue to, to scale up and buy new or additional properties. And, and while he has done some of that, he's also, you know, paid some debt down and, and not done a bunch of cash out refi. So yeah, at this point he's, he's got 40,000 plus dollars a month coming in as passive income, uh, which he discusses on the podcast. And, uh, yeah, so real excited about today's episode with Jim and the 18 summers, which we're going to also do probably another follow-up on later at some point, just because I think it's so critical. It's probably one of the things that we don't talk about quite enough on the podcast is, you know, how millionaires, especially most of our millionaires are self-made, but how they approach teaching their kids and, you know, loved ones, uh, you know, how to, how to do the journey and, Everybody says that their family, friends, and those things are the most important to them. But, you know, how do you allocate the time? How do you allocate the resources? Do you have a framework uh, that, you know, works really well? And in our case, I think with 18 Summers with Jim, it's been very critical to the way that we've parented our children so far. And, and uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. So hope you enjoyed today's episode. Without any further delay, let's get into the interview with Jim. Jim, do you want to just give us a little about your background and what you're up to now? Yeah, Jace. Uh, I've been a full-time real estate investor for 24 years now. Started in a little town in, in California, started doing uh, basic rehabs um, and went into more of a bulk model in that. And then um, after doing it out in California for years, started to see some crazy writing on the wall in about 2004. I didn't know what was happening, so I was not that smart. But I went to Florida for better fundamentals, better landlord laws, and better taxes. Survived the 08 meltdown and was a great time post 08 to go into bulk foreclosures. So uh, we'd buy foreclosures in bulk, renovate them, and then either keep them for ourselves or work with investors to build portfolios for them. Uh, That was a really kind uh, model for us, but it also had its real hiccups and a lot of competition. So starting back in 2014, so almost a decade ago, my now building partner and I said, well, what if we could build our own properties instead of just renovate old properties? And that's kind of how we fell backwards into the build to rent model. Uh, And now I'm a partner with Southern Impression Homes. We have done over 2,000 properties, work with over 850 investors, 
uh, have a management company and we build new construction properties and high growth markets in Florida, over a dozen markets in Florida. So real estate investing has always been my background. You know, it was my own passive income created through my own real estate investments. I was able to buy back my time and, you know, create the family life I always dreamed of, you know, and that's how I built 18 summers, which I know we'll talk about. Uh, But my niche has always been residential investing in real estate. And there's really been a progression of where I started and what I focus on. Wow. And we're going to get into some of these details. But one thing you said that I think is profound and interesting that I want to go back to is the fact that you left a high tax state to go to a tax state that's more favorable. What were you thinking at the time? And why did you make that decision? I I had looked at um, a lot of different areas. It was in California, Bakersfield, California. It was a really good market for us. You know, the price points at the, you know, when I got in the late nineties, you know, you could buy a house for forty, fifty thousand dollars. People say in California and said, Yeah, you know, we were really hunting for deals, but buying under a hundred thousand all day. But by the time we started to leave around oh four, oh five, it was just getting bid up ridiculously above appraised value by investors coming in from Los Angeles and San Francisco. And I didn't I never liked the landlord laws in California. And unfortunately I've seen they've gotten even worse over the years. So Florida was some place where a mentor of mine said, look, you can't really go wrong if you're following the path of growth in someplace warm and by the water. And Florida had all those fundamentals. So that was the big thing that drew me to Florida. Uh, when I started to look for affordable coastal cities, Jason, that's, that's a, those words don't normally go together, affordable coastal city. Uh, but by far in 2004, when that was a very hot real estate market, Jacksonville, Florida was the most affordable large-scale city on a coastal area by far, bar none. So that's where we, we set up shop, um, and, uh, and that's where we've been ever since. And it's still our hub, but now we've expanded uh, into many other threads of Florida. Would you be able to quantify how much that saved you at all, oh, that decision? Well, oof. I mean, when I left California, I was joking that I was saving 10%. It was literally a 9.9% state income tax. Uh, today, that is now a 13.4% income tax. So, you know, and that was, ooh, how many years ago now? That was, holy cow, you know, 17 years ago. So, you know, between 10 and 13% year over year of a seven-figure amount. Wild. That starts to add up. Yeah. <laughs> I have never done that, Chase. Thank you for reminding me how appreciative I am that I'm in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's an interesting thing because I don't, you know, geo arbitrage in general wasn't quite as popular, I don't think, or as talked about, partly with the rise of the internet. But now, you know, some people, it's like constant, like, hey, I'm going to leave California. I'm going to go to this other state or like the tax, you know, advantages of these or things that I'm considering. And some people are moving to the Caribbean or whatever for for tax advantages so i think it's an yeah. interesting thing to think about and in your case i know it's been substantial dollars and it's been probably an improved and increased lifestyle for you as well yeah i've really enjoyed the the florida lifestyle i mean i grew up in the northeast would come down to see my grandparents all the time so i i loved the the water lifestyle and just it's always it's always had a, a real warm vibe for me florida so it was not a hard move for me to do. I wanted to stay warm. I grew up in the cold. That, that wasn't for me anymore. Uh, but yeah, it's been it's been good. And and there are some levers that are pulled here that aren't pulled elsewhere. 
you know, the taxes were one thing, Chase, but, you know, through this last pandemic, you got to be able to collect your rents. I mean, as a, as, as a property investor, if you can't collect rents, you're, you're in a real dangerous situation. Unfortunately, I had some friends in certain states, they couldn't collect rent for a long, long time. And I can't imagine the losses had we been in that same situation, not only for myself, but all of our client investors that we manage for. So I, I, I'm always looking now, you know, we were actually in Georgia building for a while. We're not building in Georgia right now because we don't think the landlord laws are favorable. The only other states we see as favorable right now are Texas and Tennessee, uh, which areas we might grow into with our parent company. But right now, uh, Florida is our main focus. Interesting. So did you do anything before you started investing in real estate or did you invest right out of high school? No, I went to college. And, and again, not to, uh, not to bother any parents out there, but I'm very honest with my kids that I think college is an option, not a, an ultimatum to life or, or an absolute requirement. Uh, college, I've met some great friends, but learning wise, it didn't do anything for the career I'm in today. So post uh, college, I was in uh, the corporate world for about two years. Uh, that's all I could last. And, uh, and that's when I, you know, really cut my teeth, took that leap, could starve myself because I didn't have a family or dependents and went full-time into real estate investing. Wow. That's pretty remarkable. How have you thought about these investments over the years? Have you always rolled all of your proceeds one to the next and gone a hundred percent in, or have you all pulled some off the table or how have you thought about that over the years? Yeah. I mean, I was not smart enough to pull it off the table. We did do some pulling off the table, but the one thing about a property investor, it's it starts to become almost habitual. Like, oh, let me do the next deal. Let me do the next deal. And the big lesson I've learned, Chase, that I've talked to people about is, you know, if I could do it again, start again 24 years ago, I would buy less property of greater quality with less leverage. That's, that's, my, that's my lesson learned here. Hmm. Because, well, you know, I remember when I first went into this, it was this hundred house club. So you get, you get over a hundred houses, your life is sitting pretty like there, you, you figured it out. You're, you're golden. Why well, way past that? But the problem is a lot of the houses are broke principles that I now hold today. You know, what kind of area are they in? What kind of condition are they in? You know, where, where, you know, Partial rehabs are very expensive down the road and, and a lot shorter down the road than you think. Uh, and, you know, that was kind of the advice. Oh, yeah, that, you know, make it good for the tenants, but don't worry too much about other things. And, you know, roofs and sewer main lines and new air conditionings. When those bills come due on a lot of properties, it gets quite expensive. Plus, you have more turnover with your tenants. And so when I've done the numbers, I would have been better off um, doing less of better quality with with less leverage puts you in a less dangerous situation. That's kind of the clients that we work with today. And that's the approach I take. You know, I own a lot less properties today than than I used to, let's say, you know, 12 years ago, but my cash flow and my equity are way greater. And that's been a big lesson. It's not the number of properties. It's the quality of the properties and how do they actually perform. Interesting. Do you plan on being 100% real estate for your whole life? You know, uh, for the most part, yes. I mean, I invest in some other businesses, but um, but they're not a far cry away. It's it's what I know. I remember the Warren Buffett thing of put all your eggs in one basket and watch that basket closely. That, that, that always spoke to me. But there is a risk. You know, again, when 08 hit and all I was involved with is in real estate, you know, and properties weren't selling and you couldn't refinance or 
uh, pull any of your equity out, it, it you know it, it puts you at a risky position. But right now, the point that I've gotten myself to chase when you kind of you go through a few cycles, you know, my positioning both for cash and portfolio wise, I'm at such a low loan to value, you know, twenty something percent that I, I sit a lot more comfortable. So I, I'm I'm comfortable staying in this realm if that makes sense. Have you aggressively tried to play? pay those off? Or has that just been because you've held them for so long? A uh, mixture of length of time, been some pay down, got into them at a really good basis and didn't pull money off of them. You know, And then there was good appreciation. So it's it's a combination. But uh, at this point, I'm not aggressive in paying off that, that debt because it's locked in anywhere from 2.6% to 3.5%. So for me, it seems a little silly Wild. to pay that off. I, yeah, I refied <laughs> or... or you know, at that good time of, of just that really big dip. And now it's, it, it's below inflation. So to me, it wouldn't even make sense to pay those debts off. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's pretty, pretty remarkable to watch, you know, you and I've known each other for a few years here now to, to watch your real estate career kind of really take off. And in, I guess the last decade or so, but in the last few years, I feel like it's really realized kind of that compounding effects really you know, yeah. materialized for last, you. The last four four years, five years have really been a. Um, it, what's great for me, Chase, is it, I've really tripled my business and been able to spend more time with my family. That's really important to me. So it's it's been quite interesting to see it all come together. Yeah, I think that's a good transition. You know, one of the things that that you've done that has been very admirable and something that I've adopted in my own life is is your business and your book and everything around 18 summers. So do you mind just sharing with our guests kind of the premise for that? And then we'll kind of dig in a little deeper. Yeah. My wife and I created 18 summers for entrepreneurs, investors, because we, we have to, we, we have all these ways that you and I can find out how to be better real estate investors or better business owners, entrepreneurs, but there's very little for the owners, investors, entrepreneurs on how to be successful at home. And the way to be successful at home doesn't have to be that complicated. And it's not about perfection, it's about bridging imperfections. So as I started to share my stories of of trying to put together a better home environment, people started to take to it. And I shared a few of the strategies my wife and I were using. And all of a sudden, I'm getting invited to do talks, write a book. And you know, we've done now a third edition of our book, which yeah, and this started a little over 10 years ago with my wife breastfeeding our, our, our daughter and hitting go on Amazon. And now we had a publisher just publish it uh, for the third edition, and it went to number one on Wall Street Journal in this past month. So it's, it's been quite a journey on that. But what it's about is just giving a simple playbook to investors to, to not fail at home, to follow some certain principles and and have these these times set aside to spend with their children and their wife. And that's what our book's about. When did you recognize that this was a, an issue? And why did you decide to pour so much into 18 Summers and creating it? You know, the, 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 the initial issue, I had some experiences supporting people close to me and friends that were in the world of addiction. And when I'd go to these different meetings, a lot of the support family that were there were successful entrepreneurs. They all had this in common. They were successful entrepreneurs and they had a child in rehab. And, uh, and that, that always stuck with me. 
And there was always these side arguments. Was it because they weren't there? Well, yeah, I wasn't there, but look, I can pay for the best rehab. And it was kind of like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? And that was a huge lesson for me, Chase, years before I even got into my own family or 18 summers. And another thing is I was able to start since I started real estate young and got invited to some pretty cool larger events. You know, I was definitely definitely the baby there. And I got to get backstage with some some pretty influential people. And yeah, they had huge balance sheets. Absolutely. But they're, uh, when I could get behind the curtain and see them, their, their, their family lives were an absolute mess. They were almost non-existent. They were almost like a couple of marketing photos with no substance and, and no connection. And that terrified me because no part of me thought I was better than them that that couldn't happen to me because if they were this smart and successful and I was a very driven entrepreneur, I could be just like them and I didn't want to be just like them. So, so that was a huge starting point for me. And then when I started my own family, which wasn't the traditional way, and now we have five children, it, it just became a priority for me. You know, when, when really, really for me, Chase, in 2011, we was, I was adopting my two oldest sons. I was, um, you know, recovering from the 08 meltdown. And uh, I was, was getting ready to donate a kidney to my father. And that was a huge ordeal to go through for in all sorts of ways. So when you go through all those things, at such a point of critical, you just change. And I think I just changed. It, it, I just wasn't the same person of how I viewed things and what was important to me. Yeah, I can imagine going through that would make make those kind of changes on on the way you look at certain things. High level, I mean, what are some of the most important things that somebody, you know, who either reads 18 Summers or listens to this podcast would would kind of get a take, you know, takeaways from the book, things that apply in their own life? Yeah, the, you know, first off, take the word perfect family out of your vocabulary. I don't know who started that. It's a terrible, terrible term. It sets everyone up for the kill. It sets everyone up for failure. I, I haven't met one yet, not even close. So when you take that pressure of perfect family off the plate, you can start to enjoy, connect more. Uh, it, it, it's a much better environment. You know, It's about bridging imperfections, not, uh, not being perfect. So that's the starting point. And then you know, there's a couple principles that you want to put into practice. And, you know, one, one I'll share now is just the, the one-to-one principle. You know, this is, this is the most straightforward recipe uh, for, for good relationships. And it's rarely talked about. And all that means is you got to separate the parts to strengthen the whole. You know, you got to spend individual one-on-one time with each member of your family, and that will strengthen the whole. You know, it's important. You know, how many kids do you have now, Chase? I have three. Yeah. So three. So, and each one of them is different, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're all, they're all coming <laughs> from the same, same litter, but they're all different. And that's a good thing. That's that individuality that we want to, we want to see. That's the, um, that's where the unique gifts and talents come out. And one-to-one time helps you see what those are, understand and support those and have the conversations that are harder to have in a group. And kids really need that. Teens really need that. And you know, who else needs that is our spouses. You know, I love my kids, all five of them, Chase, but I need times away from them. I want time with just me and my wife sometime because that's important for our relationship, for us to date, uh, for us uh, to stay in love. Uh, so I speak a lot in, in my books and my talks about the one-to-one principle. And, and you'd be shocked at how many people don't practice it, 
how many, um, you know, mom entrepreneurs out there that feel guilty saying, well, I can't get away. That'd be mean to leave the kids home and go out for a night with my husband, even though I love them, you know, or, or you know, or even in investors, hardworking real estate people saying, oh, well, I can't take time with each one of my kids every quarter. You know, I'm too busy. It really starts to question why you're doing and how you're doing. Yeah. What are some of the successes or some of the success stories that you've heard after kind of publishing this and, and putting it out to the world? Yeah, there, there, there's a common theme of it feels like time slows down a little bit when they put our, they put our uh, strategies and rhythms into practice, like our family board meeting strategy. It feels like time slows down a little, like they're, they're capturing the time. Uh, it, they they don't feel like a stranger in their own home. You know, they're, they're, they're not just, they're, they're, there's real connection. They're not like just a part-time disciplinarian or, or even worse, uh, an ATM machine. They, they, they feel connected at home. They feel more relaxed, more, more heard, more understood. And that's on both sides. And so that's a common theme all over. I mean, I could name tons of stories. And sometimes when that's needed the most is when there's difficult times. You know, we'll have times where there could be extreme health issues. Um, I know, you know, I was lucky to have uh, Hal Elrod wrote the forward to my book. And he talked about using our family warming strategy when he was miraculously coming through an incredible cancer journey to healing. Uh, and he said that that time and our principles were super helpful to him. So that's a story that sticks with me. You know, and there's, there's, there is just a, um, a high level of, of a, a number of divorced fathers, widowed mothers that have said, gosh, putting these principles to work, I feel like I was able to, to, to regain some, some real grounding and, and, and um, steadiness in our relationship. So there's lots I could name, Chase, but there's a common theme, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And and to your credit, one of the things my wife and I did, because we kind of got a hold of this when when we were young, young parents, meaning I think we I think my daughter was only about six months, is we ended up actually, and, and this might sound crazy, but we actually put together kind of our, you know, for my daughter, what are her 18 summers going to look like in terms of like, hey, these are the family vacations and the spots and the experiences that we want to make sure that we that uh, we do. And we kind of get and they change a little bit. I mean, we made some changes, yeah. you know, I think down in 2029 or something, you know, and some things like that where we're like, hey, maybe we should do this instead. Or, hey, you know, we did this year, we did, did Hawaii. And so we kind of, these are the things we learned where we don't want to go to a place where we're going to have to fly with that many car seats anymore because Hawaii worked. But you know, doing that down in, in Costa Rica may not work. So we kind of made some adjustments yeah, like that, but it's, it's been good. It's been, it's been awesome. And we keep adding to it and the kids oh. keep wanting to know what they're going to do. And, and, uh, it's been great. So the, the thought process alone has really challenged us and, and, and my wife and I, and how we think about this, not only like, Hey, doing, uh, you know, the board meetings, which we try to do monthly actually now, uh, with our kids because we've just noticed wow. how important that month or that uh, one-on-one time is. I mean, literally the second I'm getting done and pulling into the driveway with, with one of my kids in, in particular, they're, uh, they're like, dad, do we have the next one planned? You know, what's the next one? Yeah. What are we doing next time? <laughs> I love, that. I love that. Yeah. That's when you know it's a success, you know, and that's what people said when they start to vibe for it. And, and, you know, I know my, my, 
almost 18 and almost 20 year old, they still look for it. You know, yeah. I'm lucky, you know, they're still local, so I can still still do that. And uh, and and they're not shy to tell their younger brothers and sisters how much they still enjoy. And that's not always something that, you know, older teens might admit. Um, but, uh, yeah. but you know, and it's, it's great to hear that you guys are doing it. It's great to hear that you took the math equation, too. You know, remember that math equation just came to me from my mentor. You know, mm-hmm. Remember, I had my two oldest boys I adopted at seven and five, Jay. So I was already behind the eight ball, at least according to time, I felt. And he said, look, man, you got 18 summers. There's still going to be your kids after that. But those first 18 summers, they go fast. You can create memories that are going to make them want to come back for more, you know, make the most of them. And, and that math equation, whoo, you, you know, it, 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 you can't not do it. But it's a positive motivation. It makes you be more intentional. It makes you, you know, set plans and schedules where because, you know, when you realize that time is fleeting, well, you're going to put some things on the calendar. Yeah, no, and I I never realized, and maybe it's because I felt like time went so slow as a child myself, but when we got together with my family, those were the things we always talked about, were the, the, the vacations we went on, the handful of experience that were, you know, crazy, and so... And my wife grew up a little bit differently and didn't have as much of that as a, as a young child. She was the youngest of six. They did a little bit more, mm. uh, you know, kind of international type trips and, and experiences when people were adults. But they were very, it was very condensed because, and, and I didn't realize this being the oldest, but once you get kind of that next layer of, of family between marriages and then additional, you know, grandchildren and whatnot, nieces and nephews, like the scheduling becomes drastically more complex and harder and, you know, we've watched what we used to have a pretty consistent schedule with her family has, has essentially completely evaporated. Now I've got, you know, nieces and nephews that are graduating high school and moving on with their own families. We're kind of on the younger side, on her side, and just starting it out yeah. and realize that this is it. I mean, you got 18 and you can't really, can't, it's hard to count on anything after that, you know? Yeah. And, and look, I don't spend as much time with my 17 year old as I do my six year old. That's probably a good thing. You know what I mean? That's, yeah, yeah. you know, it shows that he's growing and spreading his wings. We still spend good quality time, but, you know, make the most when they're wanting to be around, you know, and, and that I was, I was doing an interview earlier today. Involvement is the best offense and defense there is, I think, for, for you. You know, when you're involved, I mean, it, it studies are out there, the, the, tens of thousands of case studies. When you're not involved, that opens up some real bad temptations, vulnerabilities, things for our kids. Involvement, though, can can ward a lot of issue off. Not not completely, but it definitely ups the odds for a good defense against things you don't want entering into your kids' lives. And it also can can put in that offense where I want my kids to put their gifts and talents to work. You know, when you're involved, you can help recognize those and then help Mm -hmm. facilitate experiences to help support them not doing the push-ups for them but just put them in some environments that'll help that'll help them uh you know kind of be able to um excel and and you can't can't do that if you're not involved you're riding blind that's another point that I that I wanted to hit on is there anything specific that you would recommend in terms of you know putting your kids in those situations? I mean, do you send them to certain camps? Do you send them to these different, you know, things that can allow them to have some of those experiences or, or put them in those situations? Or how have you thought about that with your own family and, and those that you've worked with with 18 Summers? 
Yeah, my kids, I mean, from my from well, when when I met you at at your alma mater at BYU, my son was with me, right? So I I include my family. I, I was probably annoyed some people because <laughs> I would I'd bring a family member or family to different events because I want them to get that sponge exposure at that young age. And I'm seeing it now, you know, with my oldest sons, you know, their entrepreneurial spirit is very ingrained at young ages. And so involvement, again, like I was talking about, I got them involved in events. They were able to tag along in events that I was speaking at. He always looked for learning experiences outside of normal school. You know, so for years, we've hosted family retreats for entrepreneurs and their children, you know, and, and them being involved and being able to help run those were, were absolutely key. Uh, so I look for all the things like how you and I met through the GoBundances and the other things. I try to find those same mastermind effects and events for my children. And I go into the trenches with them to learn. Interesting. Where where does 18 Summers go from here? What's your vision for? What's the plan? You know, what what uh, what does Jim Shields have planned for 18 Summers? Yeah, 18 Summers, we, um, you know, before we released the book this year, we figured there was about 350,000 people using our family board meeting strategy. Um, that's what it was estimated at. And our goal was to get that to 2 million families. We figured if 2 million families were using our 18 Summers principles and and family board meeting strategy, that could be pretty powerful. So that's our goal. And we're going to continue to spread our message through, you know, the talks, workshops, and retreats that we do, uh, because it gives our family really good um, exposure to good people. And that's priceless to me. So there is some selfishness in this. As I, we continue to do 18 summers and meet incredible people, our children get to be a part of this. Uh, so for us, it's, 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 continuing to grow it, impact more families. We'd like to get to 2 million families involved. And through our smaller events and retreats, we want our own children to really get the uh, effect that we've seen so many other get. Yeah, that's pretty pretty remarkable to think about. I mean, 2 million families, how many people that would affect. And the, the I think just about the one-on-one time and the, and the, the framework around the one-on-one time, because it's not just the one-on-one time that you go into, it's the framework around it that I think is really important. And, and being you know, intentional and present and scheduled, you know, there's just, there's, there's so much that goes into it versus just saying, Hey, one-on-one time, you know, make it a priority. You know, you give a very good framework yeah. that, that I've utilized and, and used. And, and I think is just terrific. So appreciate it. Cause you've definitely helped awesome. my, my family a lot. Where, where can people, you know, get the book, find you find what 18 summers is up to. Yeah, if you'd like to learn more about um, what we do in the real estate realm, you can go to jjplaybook.com. It's just my wife and I, something we wrote about our principles and our journey through real estate investing the last 24 years and how we you know, got to the passive income levels of over 40000 a month and the importance of build to rent in that strategy. Um, you can also go to 18summers.com if you want to learn more about our book or talks or retreats. Awesome. That's Jim Shields with 18 Summers. Thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, good to see you again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast with Jace Mattinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website, millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire. Millionaire.